Welcome to the LNS Exchange, a podcast about teaching and learning in the College of Letters and Science at UW-Madison. This season, we seek to understand the many dimensions of inclusive teaching in higher education. What are the key ideas that make up inclusive teaching? How do we advance the inclusivity goals of the College of Letters and Science, and what's at stake? I'm David Macassett. Join me and my colleagues from the LNS Instructional Design Collaborative as we explore different aspects of inclusive teaching, feature interviews with instructors, and provide practical advice for educators. Today, we're talking about writing as an inclusive practice. Exchange producer Molly Harris sits down with Emily Hall and Angela Zito. Emily is the director of the Writing Across the Curriculum program and the Undergraduate Writing Fellows program at UW-Madison. Angela is the director of writing consulting at Albion College and formerly associate director of the Writing Across the Curriculum program at UW-Madison. So today we're going to talk about writing. And I hope that in our conversation, we'll delve into some of those details about creating writing assignments and evaluation and inclusivity. But to get us started, can we take a step back and think about writing in general? So why does writing matter? Why is it important for student learning? Sometimes I think students and even instructors associate writing with the humanities. And sometimes students think, well, I'm in STEM. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a biologist. Why do I need to write? I'm not going to need to write. But in fact, professionals in fields all across the disciplines use writing in all kinds of ways. And some of the ways that we don't always think about or we're not always aware of, grant proposals to express scientific findings, to communicate ideas, and to reflect on knowledge. We're always using writing all the time, even to communicate with colleagues in our field. We're always emailing, we're texting, we use writing in so many different ways. And writing is a high-impact practice, and it's been shown to increase student retention and students' sense of accomplishment about their learning. So there are really quite a number of reasons why writing's important. So at the IDC, we have a lot of conversations with instructors, and we know from our own experience that writing can sometimes be stressful or produce anxiety. I know personally, whether I was writing my dissertation as a graduate student, or even as you were just saying, writing a quick email to a colleague or a response, that sometimes you experience writer's block or a sense of stress over what you're writing. What is it about writing that creates that sense of stress or anxiety? It can be really different for everyone, but perhaps something that is fairly common across a lot of writers, students, instructors, or otherwise, is that writing is a representation of ourselves. And depending on the context or the purpose of a particular piece of writing that we're working on, the stakes can feel quite high for how well we feel we are presenting ourselves through our writing. And for some, that might be compounded by pressure to sound a particular way. For instance, I too felt a good deal of stress and anxiety in writing a dissertation. I had never written a dissertation before. What is that supposed to sound like? And so that really raised the stakes on how am I being perceived? How am I representing myself through my writing in this particular genre, in this particular context? 
And for others, you know, some of that stress and anxiety may come from the vulnerability that comes with presenting oneself in text, in writing, in a way that in some ways is static and can be revisited days, months, years afterward when perspectives and situations will have changed. So it can feel like you're opening a window into how you're thinking, how you're feeling at that time that you're writing, even when you're not necessarily ready to let others see it. Yeah, I want to connect that to a topic that has been coming up a lot in our podcast this season, which is belonging. From my experience as an instructor, I know that there are students who are expected to write for their courses, but they wouldn't feel comfortable saying, I am a writer. They don't feel that sense of belonging when they're talking about writing. Do you have any tips for instructors to help create an environment where students feel like they belong? One thing that Angela and I often suggest to instructors is to consider using low-stakes writing assignments in your course. Research suggests that writing about a topic can lead to intellectual growth and discovery. It can deepen thinking and analytical skills. It can give students a chance to slow down their thinking, but it can also give students a chance to connect with one another and with their instructors. So we often suggest things like write, pair, share. So maybe students spend five minutes writing and then share it with another student and then share it out loud with the group. So that writing through a topic and then using that writing as a means to connect with someone else can be a really powerful way to write, to connect with what you're learning in the course with one another and therefore establish that sense of belonging. So I've always heard of think, pair, share, but I like thinking about it as write, pair, share, because the action of writing does add some value to the thinking process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back to that idea of there being a written artifact of some past version of yourself potentially being a source of stress or anxiety can be also a very crucial contribution to one's thinking and learning and growing as a writer, as a future professional in whatever field, because that written artifact presents maybe the first step in tackling a particularly challenging or troublesome, complex concept that they're engaging with in a course for the first time that can be illuminating in revisiting it later on and studying for an exam or preparing to write a longer research paper, for instance, where a learner might have a moment of realization like, oh, I had maybe missed this aspect that I realize now two weeks later that my past self didn't quite recognize. During the pandemic, I worked with some colleagues in library and information studies on a series of low stakes writing assignments that they were using to help establish connections between students and between students and the professors and TAs in the course. So they did do write, pair, share. And I also want to give a shout out to Lynn Glick from the Discussion Project because she actually coined that phrase. They did all these different kind of low stakes writing assignments. And in the end, they found that they made comments like, this is the one class where I felt connected. This was the one place I felt my fellow students and my TAs felt like family. And so it was through those really interactive activities and that writing that they were able to establish those connections. 
we have an audience of instructors who are interested in creating inclusive assignments. When it comes to writing assignments in particular, how can inc instructors create inclusive writing assignments, and especially when students might be apprehensive about writing? I've talked a little bit about low stakes assignments, which I think can be inclusive, especially when they're not graded, when they're just a chance to try something out, a chance to sort of think through what you're thinking about something. And I think they can really promote equity by offering learners multiple ways to succeed in a class, not just tests or quizzes, but this other way that you're getting credit for and you're not having that stress of a summative grade. On that note of multiple means, it reminds me of the principles of universal design for learning. Those principles of universal design for learning include multiple means of representation, multiple means of engagement, and multiple means of action and expression. In designing an inclusive assignment, especially a writing assignment, incorporating multiple means of representation means providing students with uh, multiple means of interfacing or interacting with the content. In the context of a particular assignment, that might mean making sure that students have access to it both in hard copy as well as digitally. That might mean discussing it orally in class as well as referring them to look at the written document. More crucially, though, thinking about multiple means of engagement as an inclusive aspect of assignment design means thinking about tapping into students' internal motivations or a sense of agency. And that might look like providing them with two or four prompts or some other kind of option that students might then choose according to their interests. And finally, multiple means of action or expression. This is thinking about how students are asked to demonstrate their learning. So this might mean providing opportunities for students to draw on multiple literacies in crafting their final product. So not only the production of alphabetic text, but maybe also encouraging students to draw on their digital literacies or visual rhetoric while they are composing pieces to fulfill that assignment. And that makes me think of another way that assignments can be inclusive is when they're transparent to students. Often, some instructors that we work with want students to struggle with a prompt and think it through, but sometimes they don't realize that students are struggling because the prompt isn't clear. So what we often suggest is that instructors consider increasing the transparency of assignments by making clear the purpose, the genre, the steps to complete, and the criteria for success so that students really understand what they're being asked. And they can grapple with a challenging problem that requires critical thinking to solve, but they don't need to grapple with the opacity of a particular assignment prompt. I am curious when you mention different genres of writing. In my experience in school, most of what I was producing was what we might call, I don't know, American academic writing. <laughs> um, and I'm just curious what your experience is with teaching or helping others teach different kinds of writing beyond that sort of standard academic writing. I think the first step is learning to recognize that that quote unquote standard academic writing doesn't really refer to much or it refers to everything. 
<laughs> and in such a way doesn't refer to much. So the first step, I think, is really engaging instructors, students, anyone who is entering into a new writing context or writing genre with the idea that writing looks and sounds different according to different situations and that academic writing in the sciences looks significantly different than writing in the social sciences, in history, in English literature. And so this idea of discipline-specific or profession-specific genres of writing can be one way in. Angela and I are familiar with a really interesting text called the Meaningful Writing Project, which surveyed thousands of undergraduates about what kind of writing was really meaningful for you as a student. And what we found, or what they found, is that aspirational writing was really meaningful. So if your goal is to be a business professional, learning how to write memos, or if you're going to be a medical professional, perhaps learning how to make a case for a particular kind of healing method or something like that, but really doing writing projects that are connected to your sort of hopes and dreams for yourself. And I think it's important for us to, as instructors, consider students' goals for themselves as writers as we are imposing our goals for them as writers. Being evaluated on your writing can be challenging for anyone, and especially for students, and especially for students who are already a little apprehensive about what they've produced. What kinds of advice do you have for instructors as they're grading writing assignments? One thing that we suggest to folks is global before local. So students don't necessarily need to have a perfect paragraph when they're writing a draft of something, when they're still in that thinking stage. Remember that you know, sometimes our assignments are about writing to learn, not necessarily learning to write. So we suggest really tying your rubric, again, to your learning goals. If this is a thought piece, why are you correcting every period and every comma, right? If your goal is for their grammar to be perfect, you want to make sure that goal is very clear to your students, and you want to make sure that students really are on board with that goal and that they have means to be successful in that goal. So I think making sure that students have support, making sure that writing is viewed as a process and not something that you have to perfect the first time. We want to think a lot about responding to the students as people with ideas and not getting hung up on some of those local concerns that don't really interfere with meaning. When it comes to evaluating student writing inclusively, I think it very much has to do with reorienting one's sense of writing as something that just is not objective, cannot be objective. And so maybe counterintuitively, the first step toward inclusive evaluation of student writing is to acknowledge and in some ways to embrace what is subjective about writing as a practice, as a process, and about student writing in particular as if not a demonstration of their learning in a kind of summative way, then as a vehicle or means or conduit to deepen and strengthen their learning in more of a formative way. 
And so some practical extensions of that orientation toward writing as necessarily subjective may include maybe asking students to acknowledge and lean into the subjective nature of their own writing by, for instance, producing a kind of brief memo to submit with an assignment where they talk specifically about their writing process or offer rationale for particular decisions that they made along the way, or perhaps complete the thought, if I had two more hours, I would have liked to do X, Y, or Z with their assignment. To invite instructors into that very subjective experience of that particular student's in completing the assignment, but also in engaging in that kind of metacognitive reflection on their own compositional process, where they are, again, making writerly decisions with the course content and toward the learning goals that that assignment has identified for them. Likewise, instructors can acknowledge and in some ways lean into the subjective nature of writing by striving to be increasingly transparent about their expectations for student writing and the conventions within which they're asking their students to write. I think as many of our listeners know, there have been some recent advancements in artificial intelligence and large language models that our students and our instructors now have access to and are adapting to. So I'm curious from your perspective, how do these advancements in AI affect the relationship between students and writing? Significantly, <laughs> I think, without a doubt. I've really been thinking about it from a teaching teacher's perspective. And I think initially I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I feel like in a lot of ways, we're going to have some major transformations of how we teach writing in some exciting ways. In literature, for example, which is our home department, we might not be able to rely on the literary analysis paper anymore. That thing that students of English have been writing for who knows how many years, right? ChatGPT is just going to be able to produce those so well. Maybe we need to create new genres. I mean, this comes back to what we're talking about. Like, what do we want students to learn and how can we use writing to help them learn? Mm -hmm. And maybe we can focus, again, less on some of those conventional genres or very conventional parts of writing that, that historically have really mattered at the academy. And it might to get us back to that sense of belonging. You know, it, it may enable different kinds of students to have success in new ways. There are ways in which academic writing has become incredibly formulaic in the last decades, even in how we teach writing, even in how we teach writing in particular genres and in particular disciplinary contexts. One way to think about it may be Recognizing ways in which the structure, the format, even where a thesis statement occurs within a paper becomes a stand-in for the kind of thinking that we want students to be engaging with in producing that text. That AI is so good at predicting and at reproducing. With limitations, with important limitations, we in WAC very much want to encourage instructors to teach with writing and to teach writing. 
but always with an eye toward how that writing can facilitate, deepen, or help us to perceive student learning. I do worry that it is going to create this state of suspicion, and it's going to be really hard for all of us to avoid that. But I completely agree with Angela this, you know, we've talked about being transparent, being really clear with learning goals, using low stakes activities, being flexible and really thoughtful in the way that you assess writing. I feel like if you help students understand that you are collaborating with them to help them achieve their learning goals and their goals as writers, that perhaps we can at least lessen to some extent anxiety about writing and about assignments that would lead a student to want to use and rely on AI instead of doing that work themselves. How can instructors share their philosophy with students? Stories, I think, are one great way. I'm finding myself reaching for these interstitial moments during class in emails and other conversations with students about the class where you as an instructor have an opportunity to share candidly about your own experience with writing, where there's opportunity to demystify and to destigmatize writing as a challenging, difficult process, a practice that serves more purposes than to demonstrate one's finished, finalized knowledge or skill but as something that can contribute to one's own evolving story and journey as a student, as a future professional in X field. Well, thank you, Emily and Angela, for joining us today. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank Thanks you so much. Now, the after show, a conversation with members of the Instructional Design Collaborative the campus community, and you, our listeners, where we raise questions, surface key ideas, and continue the conversation. With me today are Jonathan Klein, Laura Schmidley, Molly Harris. So let's talk about inclusive writing. The question that I found really interesting was, if I had one more day or 30 extra minutes, what else could I do? And I think that also acknowledges for students that writing is a process because it doesn't end when you turn in a paper. There's always something that you can be doing to improve your writing or to expand on your writing. Something overall that this episode had me thinking about was ways to make it okay to be wrong. That idea about writing maybe being more daunting because it feels permanent. And I love what you said, Molly, about making it seem like even when someone submits something that's called the final draft, it doesn't mean that it's like the the total end of the story. This episode got me thinking about writing through the lens of instructional design because we often talk about what level an assignment is directed toward. And thinking about my own experience with writing as an undergraduate, I think that there was quite a lot of high stakes assignments that were not at the right level. And the right level at the right time is no small task, but to be thoughtful about it may yield much better outcomes for students. Yeah, I think both Angela and Emily expressed about low-stakes writing this idea of being more inclusive by showing students that you care about their perspective on something and 
starting to see low stakes writing maybe as a way to do that. I was kind of challenged on that note of uh, subjectivity with the notion of transparency at the same time. It's like, how do those things work together? One way I thought about it is the subjectivity is resisting the urge to look at student writing and think about what the student should have done through the lens of what I would do. And if that's how you're approaching grading writing, that is super subjective in a way that's not transparent. And so instead thinking about what are like the criteria on the rubric I could provide that would help a student make better choices with the writing. One of the things that stood out to me about transparency was when Emily was speaking about giving students the means to be successful. So I think a lot of the things she had brought up I had thought about before. So being transparent in what's the purpose of an assignment, what are the steps you have to do to complete an assignment. But then even if a student knows all of those things, they might not be able to achieve the goal without the right tools. And that, I think, comes back to meeting students where they are at, whether it be within the semester, what kinds of information, tools, um, practice do they need to be successful in their goals, and really thinking about that from the student perspective. That makes a lot of sense, and it kind of relates to that new question of AI and writing and how academic writing has become very formulaic, and that AI is so good at that is there an opportunity to rethink and adapt and get creative with how assignments are designed? So I was really glad that AI came up. And I'm also kind of terrified to talk about it because I don't know anybody that feels like they've really, they've really got this under control or that they see the future in, in with like clarity. But to me, there were all kinds of really nice connections between some of the early strategies that Emily and Angela were outlining, you know, speaking about authenticity, transparency. They were speaking about universal design, breaking apart larger assignments into smaller iterative steps and maybe thinking if, you know, in a general sense, process over product or process in addition to product as being all what funnels into an ultimate assessment of student performance, like all of those things seem to match really well with the emergence of AI and how that's changing our relationship to writing. Do you have an insight or a story about inclusive teaching? We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a voice message on Spotify for Podcasters or send us an email. Connect or find resources on the show notes page of our website. The Exchange is brought to you by LNS Teaching and Learning Administration and is produced by the LNS Instructional Design Collaborative. We record this podcast on the UW-Madison campus in Van Heys Hall, which sits atop a ridge overlooking Lake Mendota. It's a beautiful spot and has a deeper significance because everything that resides here rests atop ancestral Ho-Chunk land, a place their nation has called Dejope since time immemorial. <laughs>